Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Not Your Average Joe, the podcast that'll make anyone a little less average. I'm your host, Joe Franco, and I'm currently recording this podcast episode from the beautiful seaside town called Positano in Italy at a writer's retreat, which actually is not a retreat, it's a workshop. My brain is fried, but this conversation that I've got ready for you is so enlightening. It's one of those conversations that was short, sweet, to the point, and had all the nuggets of wisdom that you could possibly need, whether you're trying to learn a new language or just do something to excite your life. So I think the confidence that you can do it, and perhaps there you are developing this perseverance muscle, but the confidence, like, if you if you don't know where the top of the mountain is and you're not even sure there is a top of the mountain then you're more reluctant to continue climbing the mountain but if once you've seen the top of the mountain and you know it's there then you just keep going my guest for the day's name is steve kaufman and according to his wikipedia page he has learned around 20 languages in his lifetime what i love about steve is that not only is he just a great person to chat with but he completely defies the odds or the myth that when you get older it becomes difficult or nearly impossible to learn a new language. Steve, a 76-year-old language lover, entrepreneur, and YouTube sensation, is a delight of a human being. And in this chat, we talk way more than just about languages. You're gonna wanna take notes for this one. Kill the intro, sis. You know she's not your average Joe, not your average Joe. Okay, Steve Kaufman, what an honor it is to speak to you. You are a big deal in the polyglot world, man. Well, I don't know about that, but I enjoy it. How did you stumble into this crazy life of speaking and having an understanding of 20 languages? Okay, to be fair, you know, there are languages there that I have learned that I no longer speak. Like I was a f- I was very intimidated when I saw your credentials that you speak Greek. I thought, hmm. Ala, like I'm learning, I'm learning. Okay. So it's one of those things. I totally get it. I'm like a laid back language person. I'm not like, right. are you 100% fluent? I'm like, oh, if you can like have a chat, that's a right. good start. So the, the reason is this, like it's, it's, I, you described your uh, early childhood, the age of five, you moved to the United States with your family. Uh, I moved to Canada from Sweden at the age of five. I have no recollection of transitioning from Swedish uh, into English. All I know is that I played with uh, other little children and we managed to communicate somehow. And uh, I was at school and um, Swedish was gone and everything was in English. So kids learn very, very quickly. Uh, of course, we, were, we had French at school in Montreal, but uh, nobody learned because the teachers weren't very good. Uh, and then, again, similar to your experience at McGill, I was taking a course in French and there were pictures of 17th century France. And for whatever reason, I found that very sort of stimulating. Then I got into, you know, La Nouvelle Vague movies. Uh, this is in the, uh, you know, early 60s. Uh, and then I got very keen. So I went to France. I spent three years in France, uh, did my university training there. 
And then, uh, so that's two languages now, uh, like English and French. I'd forgotten my Swedish, but that's okay. It's sitting, sitting in my brain somewhere, you know. And uh, then um, Canadian government needed the people to learn Chinese. So I, I said, I can do that. So they sent me to Hong Kong to learn Chinese. And uh, so I learned up my Chinese, which is kind of where I developed my approach to learning, which is, again, long before I had ever heard of Stephen Krashen, it's all about input. So I would scour the bookstores for readers in Chinese with glossaries, because looking up Chinese words in a dictionary is, is very frustrating because it takes so long. And as you know, anything you look up in a dictionary, you're going to forget it right away as soon as you close the dictionary. So that I only dealt with readers that had glossaries. And, but I read mountains of stuff. And, uh, and I learned faster than the others because I was getting so much more input. Then we lived in Japan for nine years. And uh, of course, when I was a student in France, I used to travel in Spain, hitchhiking in Spain. So if, if a truck driver picks you up for a six-hour trip, he wants to talk to you. So you got to talk, right? So, and then it's just one thing after another. I, I'm sure you've had the experience. Once you realize how much fun it is to learn languages, once you realize that you are able to do it, it's a challenge. It's not easy. Then you want to do more of it. So, and then the, the most recent was like at the age of 60, I started learning Russian and then Korean. I learned up some Greek, which I, for when we were visiting in Crete, but I've not forgotten a lot of my Greek and so forth. So I've pretty much accepted the fact that I will learn languages for the rest of my life. And it's not something that necessarily came naturally to me. Sure, I was born in Brazil and spoke Portuguese and had to learn English at the age of five for survival. But the fact that I wanted to willingly put myself in that position of discomfort time and time again Again, having learned French, Italian, Spanish, and then Greek and Egyptian Arabic, that to me just signals one thing. I love to struggle. But as Steve says, it's, it's a lifelong process. It's something that does get a little bit more complicated with age, but there's no reason why you cannot do it. If you've been following me on Instagram, you've seen me blast your feeds with my Greek practice with the 21 day language challenge that I created out of literally nowhere. It happened one day I was taking a nap after writing a Greek journal entry and I was really exhausted, but I was like, wow, I feel like this is working. What if I tested myself and put together 21 days of daily prompts that I would write every day with challenges to see what happens. And we just finished day 21 and it freaking worked. And what that showed me was one, there's a really great power when you create a community around a passion so that you stay accountable. And two, progress is all about mastering the art of keeping a habit. Sure, it's natural, life happens and we fall off. But the point of today's conversation that I wanna make sure is very clear is that it's never too late to get back on the horse. I mean, I could talk to you all day, really. We, we have so much to talk about. I wanna cover this idea that this is a lifelong process, you know, like at the age of 60, you decided to get back into it. So mm -hmm. what is your response to people who say, oh, I'm getting too old to learn a language or, you know, I'm not a kid anymore. Kids learn faster. What do you say to people like that? Um, well, we both agree that at age five, we learn faster than adults, although the vocabulary of a five-year-old is much more limited. So an adult can start learning a language, you can start learning French and you can read a French novel uh, within six months if you work at it hard, okay? The five-year-old is not gonna read that French novel because the five-year-old doesn't have that vocabulary in his or her own language. So, but, so there, are, there are some advantages to being a little older and having more life experience, but by and large, it's possible that, that we learn a little more slowly, that neurons you know, charge around a little more slowly, that's possible, but so what? 
so what? Uh, the biggest factor is your attitude, your enthusiasm, your commitment, your confidence that you can do it. And so uh, age is not a big factor, not a big factor. I can't say that it's a zero factor, but it's, it's not an important. Not your average Joe, tip number one for this episode. In short, don't believe the hype. We're living in the age of information. And while sometimes it can be helpful to read articles about stats on why it's so much harder to learn a language, the older you get, it can also be super limiting. If you feel like you're passionate about something, just because there aren't many examples of a representation that you relate to doesn't mean that it's impossible. When it comes to language learning, the stereotype is that the younger you are, the easier it is. But Steve is all about attitude. And attitude is something that we can actively work on. You've also created a massive empire in the language learning space. So give me a little insight on your entrepreneurial path, like this brilliant company you developed. Tell me, tell me, Steve. You know, I always say in life, you can't plan things out. You can't say, I'm going to do this. And if I do that, then this will happen and this and this and this. The important thing is to do something. If you do something and you do it honestly and sincerely and, and, and uh, for, good, you know, for a good purpose, things will happen, most of which will be good, some of which may not be good. So... Uh, it just so happened that uh, I discovered the mini disc player when I was about 55. I said, wow, because I remember open real cassette or these the tape recorders, right? And then the cassette players where the cassette tape would become spaghetti about the third or fourth time that you listen to the cassette tape. So I thought this was amazing. And of course, mini disc players had a very short life because they were replaced by MP3 players. But in the whole technology of MP3 files, how easy it is to send audio files around, uh, reading online where you can look things up it, it, and, the whole, and the internet and availability of content on the internet, all of this totally revolutionized language learning. I remember language labs. All right, let me just pause a little bit, give you some language vocab. If you don't know what a language lab is, it's essentially a room filled with foreign language material from audio, visual, and everything in between, where in colleges, universities, teachers would allow students in to basically absorb as much as they needed in the language. Obviously those don't exist anymore to my knowledge, but you do have unlimited amount of resources out there from apps to books to communities that I will soon be developing. I mean, I have more language content on my iPhone, both in audio and text, than any $50,000 language lab at the best university in the United States, say 20 years ago. So with that, and it just so happened we had an employee from China who couldn't speak English very well, even though he had a good score in TOEFL. Here's another vocab word. TOEFL stands for Test of English as a Foreign Language. It's a standardized test to measure the language ability for a non-native English speaker. And that's what you use to enroll in an English-speaking university. And what that means is by passing the test, you're allowed in, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're mastering everyday communication. But he just wasn't connected. He didn't understand what people are saying. So I, I, we developed this thing because we had software people producing systems for the sawmill industry. So we developed this thing based on my own experience of learning, largely for to help him. And, uh, and then we tried to interest the Canadian government for immigrants, of course, bureaucracy. I don't want to get into bureaucracy, but that went nowhere. So it wasn't going to work as a sort of a system for helping people, immigrants learn English. So we made it a multi-language platform. And we just stayed with it. And it was a, it was a long, long slog, I can tell you. 
Link is Steve's platform that he created where he aggregates tons of content from around the world in different languages. So even though you're in one place, you have access to the world at your fingertips. And that's really powerful when learning a language because these are not pieces made for you to learn. So you'll be absorbing colloquial speech as opposed to a book with grammar and sentence structure and sentences that you might not use. Sure, you need that foundation, but Steve's philosophy is that it's more important to get the input of the language as opposed to focusing on the nitty gritty, in other words, boring, difficult grammatical corrections that'll probably make you turn off from the language in the first place. And at some point along the way, someone said to me, or maybe it was my son, because we co-founded Link. He said, oh, you should start making YouTube videos. I said, what's YouTube? So <laughs> anyway, and this is like 15 years ago. So I have my first video, it has me sitting in a chair. And that's where it started. And uh, since then, I just continue making videos. I mean, obviously, I, I, I very much believe in what I say in the videos. But of course, the purpose of the YouTube channel is to explain how to learn, explain you know, this input-based language learning so that people then become aware of Link. And if they come to Link, they'll have a better understanding of how to use Link. So it's very much connected with Link. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, so I know this episode is about language learning, but really it's about entrepreneurship as well and just being a badass. Now your average Joe, tip number two. The number one thing I've seen with entrepreneurs is that they have this common ability to observe a problem and think of an interesting way to solve it. In Steve's case, it was realizing that people could easily pass exams like the TOEFL exam and still not communicate. And his solution, create a platform that would curate endless pieces of content that are actually used in other countries in different languages so that a learner can absorb the language in a real way as opposed to choosing the right answers on a test. But the muscle of the problem solving is the basic foundation of all great inventions, movements, and companies. I love Link. I think it's oh, so wonderful. different. I love it. I create an account. I skim it all the time. And it's Super. really impressive how much content you guys have aggregated on the internet. Like how I'm impressed with the technology, to be honest. Because mm -hmm. here right. I, I was thinking I was high tech getting a VPN to try to get Netflix in a different country. You know, like that was my extent. Was right. Link a side project when you first started it? How long did it take for it to become big? Okay, it, it, it you know, very much a side product project. I could never have stayed with Link through the lean years if I didn't have my lumber business. Like my main activity, professional activity for most of my 50 years of working uh, have been in, in wood products. And so the wood products company was subsidizing Link for the longest time. And I was just not willing to give it up. Uh, it, it takes, it's just so much work, but you have to persevere in life. It, even in language learning, you have to persevere. Even when you think you're not making any progress, you have to persevere. You have to. Uh, you have to persevere. 
but it was very much a side project. But now it's, it stands on its own two feet, you know. And uh, my son Mark runs it, and uh, it's 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 been a long uh, it's been a long uh, road. But for me, here I am. I'm 76. I work with my son. I learn Arabic and Persian. I learn languages. I connect with the world of language learners around the world. I mean, it, like there's a lot of people at the age of 76 who don't know what to do with themselves. That's not my problem. I haven't got enough minutes in the day to do all the things I want to do. You're an inspiration. I love that. I really, really appreciate this this chat and the fact that you're willing to say, hey, let's start a YouTube channel. Like, I don't even know what that is. Let me hop in. Do you feel right. like having spent your lifetime learning languages has really shaped your ability to persevere because personally i feel like whenever i start a new language it humbles mm -hmm. me to the point where i'm like oh yeah that's right i'm starting again all over and it you almost build this muscle just like by the basic actions needed to learn a language it seems like that's the case for you you know that's an interesting question i haven't really considered that but i read somewhere in a book by the way this was something i was listening to in persian that uh because there's so many distractions today every time you resist the distraction to check your twitter feed or to look up any you know see your email whatever if you stay on task every time you resist the temptation to be distracted you're strengthening the concentration muscle every time you give in to the temptation you're strengthening your uh, you're weakening that muscle because actually it's rewarding in a way. I want to check this. So you go and check it out. There's, oh, I'm happy. I saw whatever. But you're actually rewarding yourself for doing something you shouldn't be doing. So is there a muscle for perseverance? Uh, when you start a new language, in particular, as you will agree, something like Arabic, which is like totally different, okay, with a different writing system. At first, like, can I ever get past like it's just noise it's just chicken scratch i can't read it i don't understand it will i ever get past that stage and once you've done it a few times like in chinese for example okay learning characters once you've done it you know you'll get there you'll know you so i think whether it's a muscle or not i don't know but i think once you have done it like a person who has actually become fluent in a second language they are confident that they can do it and I think the vast majority of people who take Spanish at the local library or whatever it is, and they've been doing it for 15 years, they say, I can't speak because fundamentally they don't think they can do it. So I think the confidence that you can do it and perhaps there you are developing this perseverance muscle, but the confidence, like if you, if you don't know where the top of the mountain is and you're not even sure there is a top of the mountain, then you're more reluctant to continue climbing the mountain. But if once you've seen the top of the mountain and you know it's there, then you just keep going. And if you keep going, you'll eventually get there, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Kaufman. So really, not your average Joe. Tip number three comes down to the belief and confidence in oneself to actually do the things they say they'll do. I'm big on doing my best to keep my word. It's the main thing we have in life. And the cool thing about keeping your word is that you'll be able to start trusting yourself more. When you keep your word once, you know you're capable of it. And then you'll just do things that you want to do because you said you would do them because you know you deserve it and plus you know it feels good this is not language advice this is life advice this is why i love learning languages i find so many parallels in everything that i do because I, like you mentioned on your episode i focus a lot on not just language learning i do a lot of habit driven things i love journaling mm -hmm. and partially because of the same reason i love learning languages if you consistently write every single day for a page a day by the end of 200 days you're gonna have a whole book 
So it's this right. idea of like working out, going to the gym. Okay, you're not going to have an amazing body overnight, but if you go every day for 30 minutes, 45 minutes a day, by the end of six months, you're going to have a healthier body. Language learning is the same for me. And there's so much motivation. Like even what you just said, it, it makes me feel like anything is possible. It really does. Not your average Joe. Tip number four, the not average Joe knows that hard work beats catching a quick wave. They're in it for the long haul, not the quick unmerited validation. So, but you said something very interesting because, so the goal of language learning is to learn the language, right? The goal of working out is to get more fit, but the activity itself can become quite addictive. It's true. You know, I, I enjoy learning language. I enjoy the process. I enjoy getting on my iPad and reading and whatever language. And you know, in uh, in terms of working out, I, I started doing the seven minute routine every morning. And then my son came and visited and he showed me these uh, kettlebell hit routines, 20, 25 minutes. So the first time I did it was quite tough. But now I just look for, I, can, I, I have to do them. I mean, I'm addicted to doing, so now now I do these 20, 25 minute hit routines, either like no no weights, just a lot of, you know, like more aerobic, uh, anaero like uh, cardio type stuff, or with the kettlebells. And it's addictive. So the purpose is to get more fit, but if I haven't done it, like I feel it's like I'm addicted to doing it. And so, so I think, the reward is the process. Not your average Joe. Tip number five, and one to definitely star in a notebook. The reward is in the process. Enough said. I, I've been joking with my 21 day language challenge that, you know, the first few days, it was really hard. I can't lie. Because mm -hmm. as we mentioned in our other conversation, it's time commitment. We're juggling a million things. If you have a day job, I also want to ask you how you manage to not only work full time, for 50 years, be, you know, a part of another company, learn languages and then develop your own company because to me and have a family, to me, that seems like you figured out some loophole in, in multiplying the hours you have in a day, because damn, I'm sitting here, no kids, no husband. All I have is my own business. And it's, it's a lot of time for me to be like, okay, let me dedicate to, to Greek. Right. So I do want to ask you about time management, but before that, I want to say the challenge when it began, I did have this kind of like hesitation. I'm like, oh man, this is going to take so much time. Mm -hmm. And then something changed by day five. I became obsessed. I became obsessed. I was addicted to it. I'm like, this is the best part of my day. First of all, let's talk about the time management. How did you juggle that time? And then were there ever moments where you were hesitant? You're like, do I really want to read this in Persian right now? Mm -hmm. How do you get over that hump? Well, for most of my working career, so you know, I lived in Japan for nine years, worked in Japan. So I was using Japanese all the time. When I studied Chinese, it was a full-time job. I was uh, employed by the Canadian government. My job was to learn Chinese. So there were no distractions, seven hours a day learning Chinese. Um, the other languages, it's more like whenever I had an opportunity, like I decided, okay, here's a month I'm going to learn German uh, in Vancouver. I was between jobs. Uh, for most of my working career, I might do some listening, especially in Japan. I still did a lot of listening and reading in Japanese to improve because I was using it, but I wanted to get better. Um, so I don't really remember. Most of my working career, I didn't do that much sort of language learning. It was after the age of 60 where I just sort of decided to learn a whole bunch of languages. The, the number one thing is that listening is so easy to do. So I get up in the morning, I listen. I work out, I listen. I'm in the car, I listen. When I listen, there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't understand. 
So therefore, I'm motivated now to read it on link on my iPad. So I look up words and phrases. I listen again. So I get in an hour and a half. So an hour of that is listening. Then it's going to be 30 minutes to an hour of, of reading to look up so that I have a better chance of understanding what I was listening to. And it's amazing if you do that regularly. It's amazing how that, that builds up. You're, you're very often not aware that you're getting better, except slowly you understand more. There are certain portions of whatever you're listening to that you seem never to be able to understand. And that's fine. I accept that. And uh, But at least on Link, I see that my page is getting lighter and lighter in color. There are fewer and fewer blue words. As I bring in new material, there is more and more yellow words. Eventually, they, be, they become white words. I look at my statistics. So I'm conscious of, of, of the fact that I'm improving. Because I think a big problem with language learners is that for a long time, they feel they're not making any progress. And that can be discouraging. So that's got, by the way, why we built in all these statistics and everything at Link, so that people have the sense that they're getting better. Uh, because there's so much frustration. You go to speak, you can't find the words, you don't understand what people are saying, you disappoint yourself. Maybe you did better than you thought, but we have a tendency to think we didn't do so well. And so all of these negative things, but an hour and a half to two hours a day, but I'm not working full-time now. When I was working full-time, that was difficult because, you know, you're, you're struggling to get to work on time. There's phone calls. There's this, there's that. You get meetings and blah, blah, blah. You come home, you're tired. I didn't do that much language learning throughout most of my career in the, in the wood business, other than the Japanese, because I was there. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's really amazing that you were able to couple, you know, working and getting paid to learn languages, whether mm -hmm. it's that's super. by the Canadian <laughs> government. Like, how do you even go about that? I'm like, I want to get paid to learn languages. That was lucky. But okay, so I was a Canadian government trade commissioner. I heard that they were going to train pe some people in Chinese. So then again, it's so important to do something. So in those days, the Chinese embassy in Ottawa was... Taiwan's embassy. So I went, I said, I want to learn Chinese. Can someone teach me? So they got me a teacher. And for like two months, I studied with this guy. He was a horrible teacher. I learned nothing. But I went to my boss, to management at the Trade Commissioner Service. And I said, look, I hear you want someone to learn Chinese. I'm your guy because I've started learning on my own. So if you're the management there, why wouldn't you choose me? Why would you choose someone who has no, hasn't demonstrated any interest if you can pick a guy who's motivated enough to start doing it on his own. So they said, okay, you're the man. Off to Hong Kong, learn Chinese. So you got to do stuff. I very much believe that. You got to just do it. How much would you say that learning languages or having this excitement about languages has shaped the course of your life? Well, obviously it's shaped the course of my life. I have no idea what the course of my life would have been had it been otherwise, because I went off to France to learn French and, and I studied in French. And so I became fluent. You know, if you do uh, Sciences Po uh, in French, write oral exams, written exams, everything in French, you're fluent. Uh, that gave me the confidence that I could learn Chinese. Then we moved to Japan, so I learned Japanese. Obviously, that has that's built my business in the wood business, was built around my understanding of the Japanese lumber market, my connections not to the big trading companies where everybody speaks English, but with the downstream guy, lumber dealer guy. Uh, and, and so that was, uh, so then I built a lumber business initially on the Japanese market and on my connections in the Japanese market. Um, and and the, even my Swedish, we had Swedish suppliers, like at every step professionally, it was very important. But more than that, the idea that, I mean, I can, on Twitter, I see, you know, you, like, 
President Zelensky of Ukraine gives his little talk in Ukraine, and I understand exactly what he's saying. That's powerful, powerful. If uh, there's this uh, woman I follow who's uh, uh, Iranian, and uh, I can't remember her name, but she's, you know, fighting the hijab and fighting the good cause in, in Iran. I understand she puts on Iranian women, and I understand them. I mean, that's powerful. So the rewards uh, of language learning are more than just the professional. It's a great feeling of, of wow, connecting with so many different kinds of people. It's that human moment. It's bigger than... That human moment, absolutely. And I think when somebody wants to learn a language, it's what you were saying, the mountain, either they don't even know if there's a top of it or it looks too big to climb. But if you just remember the very basic human connection that we're doing it for, it's motivating. And people are too hung up about being perfect. Like I was in Brazil and the best language teacher in Brazil is the taxi driver, okay? Because he's not very expensive and he likes to talk. But at first, so I speak my Portuñol. He understands what I'm saying. At first, I hear things like, agencia, agencia, la gente. No, la gente. La gente is the people in Spanish. But in Brazil, agencia is us, right? Us. So after a while, you start picking up. And then all of a sudden, I start saying, agencia. Okay, so, and, and you're connecting. And as long as you're connecting and communicating, you will improve. Because the brain will adjust. So you will improve as long as you're willing to put yourself in that situation. Another nugget of wisdom, not your average Joe. Tip number six, be willing to put yourself in those situations. A lot of times experiences are catalysts for everything else that flourishes. And if we don't have those experiences or aren't eager to seek them out, then the beautiful things that will happen because of those experiences will never happen. So you need to get the ball rolling somehow. And maybe you're lucky, you might have a relative that'll push you in the right direction, but why wait for someone to do it for you when you have the agency to do it yourself? I love that. It just brings me back to being in Athens and having conversations with the cab drivers. It's like, right. like this is how I started yeah. learning yeah. Greek. It was with the cab drivers or with the people yeah. at the restaurants or with, Absolutely. I think there is something else to say, you know, not everybody has the luxury or privilege of traveling. So sure. I do want to speak about this. This is why I think a resource like Link is so important mm-hmm. and useful because the best way we know is to immerse yourself is to be there. If you can work in that language even better, you'll stumble, sure. but you'll learn it. Mm-hmm. What are your recommendations to immersing yourself when you're not in the location? In my experience, to so speak well, you have to speak a lot, unfortunately. So you can build up your potential through a lot of input, listening and reading. You can find people online to talk to. Uh, I think Netflix series are great because a series is great because if, and as long as it's not like violence and all this other stuff, but like a family sort of series. So you, you meet with your family every evening and it's always the same people and it's kind of fun. It gives you a sense, a, a somewhat distorted view of the culture, but some sense of the culture. Uh, But ultimately, I think all you can do is build up your potential and hope that you can get yourself in a situation where you can speak the language a lot, which might be getting in with a group in wherever you live of Greek speakers in New York or something. I don't know. But uh, unfortunately, to speak well, you need to speak a lot. And therefore, you shouldn't be disappointed if despite the fact that you understand well and that you can read a lot and you have a large vocabulary, passive vocabulary, you still struggle to speak. Until you speak a lot, you won't be able to speak that well. In most cases, there are some people who are very good, but overwhelmingly. So I always say I build up my potential in the language, waiting for the opportunity to then 
really be able to use it a lot. It's true. It's so good. Uh, that's what I did for 12 years when I couldn't travel. I was reading those French textbooks, reading the plain textbooks, and it, it, that was the only thing I could do at the time. Right. Now there's so many platforms for online teachers and, you know, some things where you could talk to yourself. That's like my favorite thing to do. All of this has been so inspiring. Can we agree that when we talk about language learning, we're really not talking about something academic? Oh, absolutely. Not at all academic. You know, in a way, the most academic side of language learning is the grammar. Now, everyone wants to speak correctly or as close as possible to the way natives speak. However, we can't do that. We can't understand the academic description of how the language works and the grammar until we've already had sufficient exposure to the language. So it begins with getting the language into you. And then you can approach it perhaps a little more academically. That's what I think the school system has it backwards is that because they begin with more of the academic approach rather than beginning with just exposure. Watch cartoons, watch anything, it doesn't matter. And at a later date, we'll go back in and we'll look at some of the structures of the language. No, it's not academic. It's more emotional than academic. It's emotional, exactly. This is why I almost hesitated so long. I've been making content for 10 years and I've dabbled in language content, but the reason why you look at my YouTube channel and you see like, uh, you know, here's a video of me learning Arabic. And then like, here's a five more videos that have nothing to do with language. Because for the longest time, I felt like if I did start speaking about languages, I'd be pigeonholed in this academic light, which there's nothing wrong with. Mm -hmm. But I feel like people aren't excited or entertained by language mm -hmm. learning because of the way that it's been branded to mm -hmm. be this academic thing. But I want to change the narrative. I really want to talk about why I learn language it's to speak to the cab drivers it's to get invited into the homes it's to make those friendships right like all of those things are emotional no one really needs a grammar chart to get invited into no. a dinner you just need to get out there and speak and Correct. and have the effort and enthusiasm to do it and not worry about it and not worry about it right do you feel like being comfortable with making mistakes in languages has helped you in non-language related things? That's, oh, non-language related? No, I, I haven't, you asked me questions I haven't even considered, so I don't know, but it's certainly helpful in language learning. People don't judge you. I've done business with people who speak English, non-native non speakers, and they all reflect their native language in one way or another. It doesn't prevent us from communicating, and I don't judge them, and I don't correct them. There's no big deal. We can understand each other. Absolutely, that's all. And this one is by far one of my favorite reasons to learn languages and why I really think I will continue to learning languages for the rest of my life. Inshallah, God willing, if everything is copacetic. Not your average Joe, tip number seven, leave perfection at the door. When you're learning anything new, and especially a new language, it'll humble you. It'll remind you that there is no such thing as perfection. And in fact, the mistakes help you learn how to actually communicate. So without mistakes, it's impossible to become fluent. It is impossible to communicate. So there's nothing like making that terrible mistake in a language that'll remind you not to take yourself too seriously. And perfection becomes more and more of a silly concept, to be honest. And not just in the language space, in everything. The last question that I always ask all of my guests, this podcast is called Not Your Average Joe. So if you could give anyone out there a tip on how to be a not average Joe, what would that be, language related or not? I guess the biggest thing is to just go for it. You know, when you reach my age, you typically you'll regret not having done more. 
that you didn't go for this or go for that. Just go for it. And if you do it honestly and with sincerity, you'll be rewarded. Not everything will be a rip-roaring success, but most things will be. Just go for it. Do something and you don't know quite what it's going to lead to, but it'll lead to something. That, that would be my advice. You just have to believe that something will happen because you're making something happen. Exactly. Absolutely. Brilliant. I'm ready to rule the world. Okay. Steve. All right. <laughs> thank Together. you so much. Okay. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. And that is it for the day. Thank you so much for tuning in. It was a pleasure to speak with Steve and just to get the wisdom and have an inspiration that says to me, yeah, I will likely be learning languages until I'm 76 and hopefully even older. It's an exercise that is timeless. Your brain deserves that nourishment by, you know, reading articles in different languages, by watching content from different cultures. And what's really cool about it is that it's endless. You're never gonna run out of something to learn. My favorite people are the lifelong learners. Are the ones who never think that they've learned it all because that's the truth you'll never learn it all and what an exciting concept tune in next wednesday as i talk to another amazing guest if you'd like to submit episode suggestions please follow the not your average joe instagram account and send us a dm i'm always open to hearing who you'd like for me to interview for more of me follow me on instagram at joe underscore franco i'll be cooking up all kinds of random challenges and content ideas because you know that's what i do right now i'm in italy like i said so that's exciting workshopping a memoir that i have been trying to write for the past three years and i realized that three years in the grand scheme of things isn't that much time anyways so while i was over here feeling bad i am feeling rejuvenated another thing about you know staying true to yourself it's like you realize that if it's in you it's gonna come out it might take a few years but it's gonna come out this episode was produced and edited by me the theme song was created and performed by my sister fernanda franco and don't forget to rate and follow this podcast if you've learned anything or felt inspired today the only way i can see if you guys are loving it is by seeing the ratings the reviews on apple podcasts and uh, by seeing your shares on instagram i really appreciate them it makes me feel like we're all growing to be a little less average together cheers and have a great rest of your week hey, yo come listen to my girl man what you doing shit ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started <laughs> 